Father, we just thank you, Lord, once again this morning for your goodness, Lord. Your mercies, your word says, are new every morning. And therefore, this morning we come hoping in your mercy, putting our trust in you. And this morning, Lord, I pray that even as we meditate upon your word, that you would speak to our hearts, establish doctrine in our minds and in our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that we'll be transformed even as we continue to submit ourselves to the teaching of the doctrine of Christ will be transformed even more into the likeness of your Son. Even this morning, O Lord, I pray that you would anoint us, Father, to teach us your ways, show us your paths, and lead us into the way of everlasting life. Thank you, Lord. Anoint us once again for the speaking and the hearing. For in Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Amen. been exhorted to occupy till Jesus comes back, right? We turn with me to uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. Uh, let's read from verses 1 to 9, 1 to 8, the, f- the parable of the, of the importunate widow. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city. And she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. Of course, you know who the adversary is, right? And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, adversary means the one who is opposing, contrary. Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest her by continual coming, she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out, what? Day and night to him, though he bears with them long. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily, verse 8. But nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, verse 8. If, when, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find this kind of faith on the earth? If you can put, put, uh, 18.8 in the Amplified Bible, it will be great. 18.8 in the Amplified Bible. He, yeah. I tell you, he will defend and protect and avenge them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find persistence in faith on the earth? I like that. Persistence in faith. Oh, so this is what God is looking for. A set of people who will occupy till he comes back. Who will be persistent in faith till he comes back. And there are so many adversaries. Okay. See, God has entrusted certain things into our hands and you think it's going to be easy? The, the guy who made 10 minors into, sorry, one minor into 10 minor, time 10 minors. I, I like that, right? If minor is time, what did he do with time? He multiplied it. I mean, that's in, amazing. Okay. I don't know how, how he could do that. I mean, I, I know about a concept of a franchise. You know a franchise, right? 
um, a franchise is like this. You have McDonald's, for example, or Subway, whatever it is, is a franchise. Um, you create a concept and you teach that concept to different, different people. <laughs> okay. What happens is that over a period of time, whatever concept you create will be multiplied. <laughs> Several people will be earning money for you, even while you're sleeping. Okay. A lot of people, they work and time, they work for 10 hours and they get paid for 10 hours. People like who created McDonald's and concepts like franchises, they work for 10 hours and that 10 hours gets multiplied <laughs> because they they have this ability to multiply their uh, time. You know, it's, it's a smart way. The people of this world are wiser. Okay. And then the children of God. So God is saying, somehow this guy, he had the ability to multiply time. Can we do that? <laughs> well, I, I'm not, uh, that is not today's topic, but I want, I want us to really think about that. A guy who could make one minor into ten minors. Uh, so, but of course, when he made one minor into ten minors, do you think it was easy for him to do it? I'm sure, definitely not. So many opposition, oppositions. If you can turn with me to First Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9, if you will. First Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9. Look at what it says. By the way, um, the word there are, you see that word there are, it's in italics. Okay, so it's not there in the, in the original translation. But anyways, let's read it with there are and without there are. Okay, First Corinthians chapter 16 verse 9, for a great and effective door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Now let's remove the word there are and let's read that verse together without there are. For a great and effective door has opened to me and many adversaries. You see how many, how incredible that statement is. There is an effective door, an opportunity that has been opened along with that, with those opportunities have come also adversaries. And what we need to do is to, in order for us, like, like he says, right, uh, he tells the Philadelphia church, I have, Look, look, I have, uh, I have an, I have an open door for you and no man will shut. Okay, there's an effective door which has been opened for you. But do you think it's going to be easy for you to get through that door? No, 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 no. Along with every door, there are adversaries that God opens, not God allows, not opens, that God allows. So, what are these adversaries that we need to overcome in order that we can have, what do you say, this tenacity, if you will, to occupy till he comes back? Very important for us to understand. What are these adversaries? Great door, effectual door is opened with adversaries. And I'm telling you honestly, if your work is a work of God, okay, if you, if you're sure that this is God's work in your life, there will be adversaries. It is, otherwise it's not authentic. Sometimes if it is your work and God, if it, if you, if it is your work and God does not want you to do that work, He will frustrate your plans like the way He does, He did with Jonah. Okay. Jonah went to the other side and God dealt with him and brought him back to his work. 
Okay. But the thing is, if God has opened doors for you, expect adversaries along with them. And Christian life is overcoming adversaries and persisting in your faith, like that importunate widow who would say, avenge me of my adversary and enable me to finish God's work. And isn't it interesting? He says, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find a bunch of people who are like this, persisting in the work that God has entrusted into their hands? Not like that wicked servant who when he saw that his master delayed, sat with the drunkards, got drunk and started beating his fellow servants. And the word of God says, the master of the house came back when he did not expect him, at a time that he did not expect him. And what did he do? He cut him into two and put him into outer darkness. So, this is very important. There are adversaries. There will be adversaries whenever God has opened a door. So, we should be prepared. See, we, ha- we have to be a people who, people who are prepared. Prepared people. We have to be a prepared people. Nothing should take us by surprise. You understand? So what is, so when I think adversaries, don't, don't imagine people. Okay, I'm going to show you one of the most greatest, greatest adversary that we have. What is, who is an adversary or what is an, what, who is an adversary? A one who opposes in this context, the work of God or the door that, or door of opportunity that God has opened for you. Who opposes it. That's an that's an adversary. So the first adversary that we all have to deal with every day of our life, because our fellow gets up every day in the morning along with you. Galatians chapter five, it's verses sixteen to eighteen. Okay, sixteen to sixteen and seventeen, not sixteen to eighteen, sixteen and seventeen. If I say then walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, and then it says. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are adversaries, that's the word, adversaries to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So God has opened a door, for example, for in your life or for ministry or opportunity in your, uh, wherever you are. And you would expect one fellow who is always contrary to the work of God in your life is your flesh. He is opposed. He is an adversary of the spirit. He is not a friend. He is an enemy. He opposes. Look at what how Paul puts it in, in beautiful language. Uh, because the way this uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 ends, it says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are opposed to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. In other words, now God has opened a door for you, and you wish to fulfill that, right? But there is one fellow who is standing right there on your path. And I'm telling you, honestly, the path to the celestial city is rough. Okay. Don't take the bypath meadow. Which might look smoother. That's exactly what Christian and Hopeful did. They took the bypath meadow and they found one fellow who was walking on that meadow also. Who's that fellow? What's his name? Vain Confidence. That fellow's name is. What's his name? Vain Confidence. We are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, who rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. 
and who's walking along that bypath bypath row vain confidence and they ask him are you going towards the celestial city of course i'm going to the celestial city and this is shorter it might seem smoother for the first few minutes and what happens after that it gets darker you know that remember the story it gets darker and after a while they hear a loud thud because it's getting darker and when confidence has gone down a steep and he has crushed his skull and he is dead and he's dead and what happens to both these two fellows they understand now it is getting dark so they go and uh, hide themselves under a rock all right and under a rock so hoping that next day morning they'll get up and they'll can leave and they can go back to that uh, the straight and narrow ro- narrow road and they fall asleep and the moment they get up they realize that they are in the in the property of a giant called despair the giant despair isn't that's a huge the giant my dear brothers the giant called despair why because you have taken a path which is called the bypath road which seemed uh, you know less supposed to when compared to the narrow road and where does giant despair take them and put them into a place called doubting castle and you begin to doubt oh really did god call me into the ministry oh did i really am i am i really saved you begin to doubt and doubt and doubt and doubt and doubt and what happens and giant despair has a wife i forget this for, for lady's name and she she keeps on telling jan despair go and crack the skulls and kill them it's quite possible and people get into depression why simply because they took a path which they thought was smoother okay effectual door has been opened but expect adversaries so i like that second corinthians chapter 16 verse 9 let us read it together once again second corinthians chapter 16 verse 9 for a great an effectual door has been oh sorry first corinthians chapter 16 verse 9 not second corinthians for a great and effective door has opened to me and many adversaries <laughs> along with that many adversaries there are these and take off there are because there are is if you if you read it in your own bible there are there are is in italics meaning it is not there in the original translation along with many adversaries you will get a great and effective door that is the reason why it is an effective door that is the reason why it's a great door why is the price great because it's a because of the ni- num- number of adversaries you have to overcome in order to achieve that goal in your life it's a high calling christian life is not an easy life so the so he says the first fellow who's really contrary to you or who's an adversary to you is your own flesh that is the reason why first peter chapter 2 verse 11 will say first peter chapter 2 verse 11 will say beloved i beg you as sojourners and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul soul essentially is your is your will your emotions your intellect everything okay so fleshly lusts will war against your soul my god this fellow oh, he has to be captivated captured by god you have to take every thought captive will come to that later on so 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 the flesh is an adversary to the work of the spirit in our lives okay and therefore you do not you cannot do or you will not be able to do the things which you would like to do that's what galatians chapter 5 verse 17 will say right look at what it says once again and then we'll go to the next verse 517 hmm? 
for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are adversaries of one another. That's how I'll read it, okay? So that you do not do the things that you wish. Can we put it in the message, if you will? Message and the NLT. We'll just to get a spectrum of words which will kind of give us a better understanding of that verse. Message, or first NLT and then the message, okay? The old sinful la- la- nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly <laughs> fighting each other and your choices are never free from this conflict. Kya baat hai? You see, your choices are never free from this conflict. In, in other words, I said before you, life and death, blessing and curse, choose. Okay. And every choice is not without a conflict. For example, you want to get up get up in the morning. Yesterday, last night, I slept at 1 o'clock in the night. I wanted to get up early. Oh, you should see the conflict in the morning. No? It's a huge con- conflict that is going on. And who is opposed to the the flesh? I mean, the, the, the spirit, the flesh. This fellow who wants to take nice rest in that nice soft bed. Ah! Bad habits are like soft beds. Very easy to get in, very difficult to get out. It's a huge conflict early in the morning. But morning by morning, he awakens me. And I did not turn as one disobedient or rebellious. Okay, put put it in the message. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit. Just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are antithetical. That's what it says. Contrary to one another. So that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. You see, I like the way message puts it. You know, sometimes people are cap, they, they, they are, they are prisoners or they are captives of their feelings. Dangerous to live by feelings. Feelings can be your adversary. I don't feel like worshipping today. I feel low. I know those words that you speak. I feel too low today. That's what uh, David tells his soul. Why are you downcast, you fellow? Nonsense. (laughs) I I like that. No, you should speak to your soul like that. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why is your Psalm forty-two, Psalm forty-two verses one and two, please? You put it not normal in KJV, okay? As it, oh, is it 42, right? Yeah, yeah. 42 or 40, yeah, where is it? 42. I'm sorry. Apologize. Oh my God. Is it 46? Hmm, 48 if I'm right then. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Sorry, let me just give you a minute. Give me a minute, I'll tell you. 42.5, okay, thank you. 42, yes, it's 42. Yes, thank you. Why are you downcast? Cast down, O my soul. And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Okay, so... 
This is the conflict everybody has. And you speak to your soul. Okay. So, you don't feel like doing the things sudden. That is the flesh. If you again turn to Romans chapter 7, verse 18 and 19. Look at what it says. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, what dwells? Nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good is not, is not, I do not find. For the good that I will, will, for the good that I will to do, I do not do it. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. You see the contrary, the, the, the conflict that every man has to go through in his heart. It's basically the conflict of the flesh. It's a huge adversary. So what is it about the flesh that is contrary to the spirit? Is, is important. We have to <coughs> zero in on. <coughs> excuse me. We have to zero in on the problem. What is it about the flesh that is? Excuse me. Yeah. What is it about the flesh that is that has to be tackled? Okay. So let us look at it. We know it very well, but in the context of today's teaching, Romans chapter eight, verse. 5 to 8. What does it say? For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Where is the the conflict? In the mind. In other words, those who live according to the flesh have a mind set. In other words, the flesh is set in its in a particular pattern. Okay. Especially a thought pattern. Okay. I'll give you, for example, let me give you an, give you a thought pattern. You come back from work, let's say, a busy day you had. You come back home and uh, you ask your wife for some snack or something and then you want to relax. Or a, or let's say you worked for, let's say, three or four hours and you want to relax. Okay. Two ways you can relax. One way to relax, I was told when I was growing up, I was a young guy, was a brother who could, you know, who was baptized in the Holy Spirit, who could speak in tongues. He said, Vijay, in order for me to When I come back from work, the way I relax is I just go and speak in tongues and I feel refreshed. Have you tried that? Okay, maybe you should. I feel refreshed. And because so many things that have gone through the day and I just speak in tongues and by the time I'm done, 10 or 15 minutes, I'm refreshed. You know why? It says, a man who speaks in tongues, what does he do? He edifies himself. He builds himself up. Because he is cast down. After a day's labor and conflict at work, come back home, my goodness, the, 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 the great, uh, what do you say, temptation is to switch on the television. And instead of switching on the television, I speak in tongues so that I can, I can feel refreshed. Now there's a pattern. What is the pattern of the flesh? A mindset of the flesh is a hard day's work. Come back home, take your coffee, switch on the television and watch something to get your mind off. I'm not saying we should not relax. Don't misunderstand me, okay? I'm just giving you an example 
here. So there's a pattern. Alright. And in order to break the pattern, you have to establish another pattern. You see, that is how breakthroughs happen. That is how what we call as deliverances are sustained. Okay, there's one thing to be delivered. There's another thing to walk in your deliverance. The guy who was not delivered initially had a pattern. A pattern of thinking. And what you need to establish is another pattern of thinking which fights this pattern of thinking. A cycle. So that you can come out of it. Now, for example, I mean, uh, honestly, before the lockdown was over, I, I mean, I used to wake up early in the morning, but not as early as I wake up generally these days. Okay. Because I have this, okay, come on. You need some rest, otherwise I'll fall asleep in the afternoon. You see, all these, uh, I'm just giving examples so that you'll understand. So the way to, 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 uh, to fight this pattern is to establish another pattern. Because a mind, carnal mind has a mindset. It's set in a particular ways and we have to break that pattern. Okay. So it says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds. Actually, ESV will use the word mindset. Can, you can put that, no? Uh, is it ESV? Yeah, okay, fine. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. To set the mind of, on the flesh. Which one? NIV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yes, yes. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what is what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death. The mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. That is the reason why it says he gives, he, he lives in perfect peace whose mind, he, he is, he whose mind is set on you. Set. You see again the word set. So that is the reason why we need to break patterns and that, that takes a, a, a while. It's not easy. That's the reason I'm saying it's not easy. To establish thought patterns which are contrary to uh, to the, the to the to the mindset of the flesh. Otherwise, it will be like Windows, no? Windows operating system. What did they do? Patchwork. Service pack one, service pack two, service pack three. Remember, stupid software. Ultimately. The most idiotic operating system on planet Earth. After that, after that, because after that, after I have experienced my MacBook with the on the Linux operating system, I said, "Boy, this is breeze." There you have to download antivirus and what what not to protect your computer. So, your computer is just a target for the enemy, literally. Patchwork. That's what they called it. Patch. Computer science language. No. Service pack one, service pack two, nonsense. And now thankfully, they have learned their lessons, I think. I don't know how the latest OS is, but it's been a while since I used a Windows machine, no? Understand that. So you have to, that's what, that's what format the system and reestablish it, nonsense. Okay. So, mind has to be set. That means thought patterns have to be established. What has, what is my, what does a mind do? It thinks. 23-7, Proverbs. 
for as he thinks <laughs> in his heart so easy okay his thoughts can be on his food on his belly eat and drink for tomorrow we die or his thoughts can be on god and thoughts are very important and it go go back to romans chapter 8 it says verse 7 it says verse 7 of romans chapter 8 it says because the carnal mind is what is contrary it's an is an adversary of god and it will never be subject to the law of god and indeed it cannot so then who are in the flesh or rather who have their minds set in the in the thought patterns of the flesh cannot please god you understand that okay you cannot please god and it and he goes on to say it was it was 13 he'll say was 13 he says if you if you live according to the flesh you will die if you continue to let your mind be occupied with the thought patterns of the flesh one day you will experience spiritual death and we don't want that to happen right and this is of course written to believers sorry you can go to genesis chapter 20 verse 10 and 11 and abimelech yeah fantastic and abimelech said unto abraham what sawest thou that thou hast done this thing you know remember when he calls uh, rebecca uh, sorry uh, sarah his sister his sister and abraham said because i thought surely the fear of god is not in this place and they will slay me for my wife's sake it's a thought it's an evil thought i mean it's a fearful thought not evil thought fearful thought which entered into your mind that is the reason why god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love it doesn't it doesn't end there spirit of power spirit of love and a spirit of sound mind a mind which is able to think the thoughts of the spirit in other words so another place no uh, genesis chapter 50 verse 19 onwards okay. joseph said to them do not be afraid okay uh, put it in again kjv only okay same same kjv i'll tell you when to change Je- and joseph said unto them it is to who his brothers fear not for am i in the place of god but as for you you thought evil against me that's what you thought but god meant it god thought good actually so in other words what should you replace the thoughts of evil with the thoughts of god and 65 of genesis will say now you can maybe go back to nkjv 65 of genesis then the lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth that 
every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Okay, so thoughts are dangerous. Okay, very important, and especially first, some of the thoughts, uh, like 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 we uh, there's a cliche. It's it's almost a cliche now, but there's a tremendous truth in that. It says um, you cannot uh, stop the birds from flying from your head, but you can definitely stop them from. Laying, uh, laying a nest and laying eggs also. Because the reason why I am telling you that is there's one, uh, one incorrigible set of birds which cannot build nests is pigeons nonsense. They, you know that, right? They come and occupy house, uh, they come and occupy flats, apartments basically. And especially if you have an AC wind, that is a fantastic place for them to breed. And every day for me, I have to go and observe. If there is a, if there is a nest over there. And if you leave it, like today, they laid nice eggs and went. A bunch, uh, some, some semblance of a nest they can make. That's not even a nest. Make a mess of it. They lay eggs and they go. Now what should you, what should I do? Remove it, take those eggs and throw them out. Not make omelet, throw them out, okay? Okay. So, it's it's a fact. I mean, every day I go there and say, boys, oh, two, three strands of those things have come. Ah, yeah, those twigs, you know, they come and make those nests of small, some semblance of a nest, nest they make and they uh, lay their eggs over there and you have to constantly keep chasing them out. So, what? that's exactly what you need to do. The birds will fly, but never allow them to make a nest in your mind. Look at this. Translation, okay. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 14. First you put it in uh, NKJV and then you put it in NIV. Two translations are fantastic. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 14. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 14, okay. O Jerusalem, wash your heart from wickedness that you may be saved. How long shall your evil thoughts, what? Lodge within you. Lodge and together. They come and live in you. How long? So wash your heart from wickedness that you may be saved. How long shall your evil thoughts lodge within you? They've, and now I'm looking at, looking at it, all the thoughts instead of flying from your brains, now they have come and make, made a nest over there and they are lodging. Now this is another translation which actually, uh, uh, is even more intense actually, the NIV. Look at that, what it says in NIV. Oh Jerusalem, wash the evil from your heart and be saved. How long will you harbor wicked thoughts? Now this is even more dangerous. Harbor means they have dropped anchor and they are going to stay there now. The ships have come and they are going to stay there. Harbor wicked thoughts. And what is one wicked thought that we can have? Turn with me to Deuteronomy. Chapter 15, verse 7 to 11. I I call it thoughts of unforgiveness. You have to constantly battle these. Never allow unforgiveness to lodge. Look at what it says. Jeremiah chapter 15 verses 7 onwards. If there is among you a poor man of your brothers within any of your gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from that poor brother. What does it mean? In fact, if you turn with me to verse 11, I'll tell you. Verse 11 and we'll come back. Okay. 
Verse 11. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you. Now let me tell you something. What, what, what it means is this. There will always be people who will sin against you. The poor will never cease from the land. In other words, there will be a bunch of people who, to whom you owe forgiveness, in other words. Who will sin against you and therefore you have to owe. Like, remember that, uh, that, par- that uh, place in uh, Luke's Gospel chapter 17, you don't have to turn there, where it says, if your brother comes and sins against you and he repents, forgive him. If he comes and sins against you seven times in a day and comes back to you and says, I have repented, forgive him. And there will be no lack of people who will sin against you. (laughs) That's what it says. For the poor will never cease from the land. That's how I read it. As long as you are in this land, there will be people who have offended you. Offenses, it is impossible that offenses will not arise. It is impossible. Okay, so let's read that. No, look at what it says in Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 7. I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 15 verse 7. Uh, 7 to 11, okay? If there is among you a poor man, in other words, a guy who sinned against you in some sense, some sense okay? So, a poor man of your brothers within any of your gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother, and go, go on, but you shall open your hand wide to him, and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. In other words, have this generous spirit of forgiveness. I think sometimes it is easier to give money to an extent for, than to extend forgiveness. Right? Uh, remember that guy who's, who, who's paralyzed and the, and the friends bring him? And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And what does, what do all the Pharisees say? This guy is blaspheming and he says, is it easier to say that your sins are forgiven than to ask him to raise up and walk, rise up and walk? Of course, the difficult thing is to say, your sins are forgiven. That you should, notwithstanding the fact that he has offended you and sinned against you, for you to be incredibly generous is one of the most difficult things to do. And every day you have to battle it. What do you say? Because there will never be. It's impossible that you have people who will not offend you. Okay, so let's go on. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. And then... Beware, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. Lest there be a wicked thought. How long will you harbor what thoughts? Wicked thoughts. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in you. And what kind of a wicked thought? The word wicked is the thought of a devil, Belial. That's the word. Mm -hmm. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of what? release is at hand. What does releasing mean? Remember, um, extending forgiveness, Pastor was talking about, whenever you extend forgiveness, what are you doing? You're releasing them. Don't hold, you're not holding on to saying, I'm not going to forgive them. Not going to forgive them. That is not what is, you're releasing them. That is year of jubilee. Okay, not year of jubilee, seventh year. Seventh year ka matlab kya hai? The year where you have to extend forgiveness. The seventh year, the year of release is at hand and your IB Ah, your eye be evil 
against your poor brother and give him nothing and he cry out to the Lord against you and it become sin among you. And it says, go on, you shall surely give him and your heart should not be grieved when you give, give to him because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all that you put your hand to. In other words, God will continuously keep forgiving you. Enable us to forgive us. What? Debtors. That's what it says, right? In Matthew chapter 6. That means people who want you, owe you. Forgive your debtors even as your father has forgiven you. Forgive us our debts. Even as we extend forgiveness to those who are indebted to us. Think about this, my dear brothers. Otherwise, if you withhold, you're a son of Belial and you have a what thought? A wicked thought. So it means one of the thought patterns that we have to break is a thought pattern of holding on to unforgiveness. Understand? Everybody? Unforgiveness is a tremendous thought pattern, Baba. Break that fellow. Unforgiveness, okay? Give him two. <laughs> okay. The thought, not the the brother, but the thought, okay? The thought. Okay, pray. That's what it says. Pray for your enemies. It's difficult, no? Yesterday, yesterday for I was, I was, uh, I was thinking about the twelve years in the church, and you know, so many good thoughts came, and I was skipping, and I said, Lord, please <laughs> help me, Lord, help me, help me, <laughs> help me, Lord. See, you need to, un- we need to ask these things, and we have to break these thought patterns, okay? And it becomes a lifestyle. That is when brokenness comes into our lives. How do, how do we, how are we broken? When people wrong us and we still overlook the wrong and that is when we uh, when we forgive them from our heart, that is when we are broken. Okay. So be broken before the Lord breaks you. Okay. Just break and say, Lord, I'm not going to hold, I'm not going to hold anything against anybody. Okay. Another thought. I call it thoughts of suspicion. Let me show you. The quintessential man of the flesh <laughs> who started in the spirit. Who, who's that fellow? First Samuel chapter 18 verse 5. Onwards, okay? So David went out whenever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Okay, everybody accepted him. Now it happened as they were coming home and David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women had come out of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines to meet who? King Saul. They came to meet Saul. (laughs) Now the problem is they came to meet Saul and they sing about David. That's a problem. Okay, anyway, no problem. That's that's a major issue. Okay, Singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. Can you just switch to, and he said, okay, and and he said, they have ascribed David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? Only verse 8 in an ivy and then we'll go back. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. I like that. Galled him. I mean, bitterness came into his, 
came into his gallbladder kahan par hai bhai wahan se pura bitter juice aata hai na bahar it galled him so whenever there is a gall there is bitterness bitterness we can bitter saul was very angry this refrain i like that refrain that means after every stanza there was a refrain so moga stanza number after one stanza number 1 saul has slain his thousands david has slain thousands stanza number 2 after this thing stanza number 2 come back to the refrain saul has slain that's exactly how they 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 really uh, you know messed his mind up and look at what it says they credited david with tens of tens of thousands what he thought you see that he thought but we but me with only thousands what more can he get but the kingdom that's a thought let's go back now verse uh, chapter 8 this is it's a thought okay so saul eyed i like that eyed david that is an eye of unforgiveness this is an eye of suspicion so saul eyed david from that day forward how did he look at david always with suspicion you know suspicion is such a tremendous what do you call it's a it's a snare that you can never trust anybody that you're always afraid <laughs> that people will take advantage of you why did peter ask me that one will you take advantage of me if i slightly give him one inch will you take a yard one day will he replace me oh already people are liking him see all these thoughts i'll tell you why these thoughts have come you know why because you are not secure in god that's a problem you're not secure in god that the praise of men is more important to you that's a problem it's all what is important for him praise of men that's one thought pattern we have to break accountability breaks that you know that because when you are accountable you have to always lose face for example let's say i am accountable to let's say dr david dr dr richard ah, let him i can use it interchangeably okay? they are all doctors anyway so so i am accountable for example let's say uh, dr dr richard i am going to change my diet every day morning i'm going to come and tell you what what i ate last i mean the the, the day before um by doing so i'm going to establish a eating pattern i'm accountable to you now for if i let's say if i if i uh if i did not eat and i have to come to you and say i'm sorry dr richard i didn't do it yesterday i messed up i ate rice like crazy i loved that fellow with rice and mutton curry i ate so much and uh, i'm sorry i became a glutton and i'm afraid to hear that word how many times i should tell you re you're such a glutton in other words you have to come and confess to dr richard that you are a glutton every day so accountability will always what does it do it causes you to lose that face but you are afraid to have this reputation why are people not accountable why why are they afraid of accountability because they want people to think that they are all spiritual when they are not 
and they will live their lives like that for the rest of their lives, they'll live like that. But accountability breaks down. And especially if you are accountable to tough people in your life. Not easy, easy for us. I will say, all right, it's okay. Yesterday I also ate. You also ate. I also ate. Too much of rice yesterday. I said, you ate. I ate. Let us excuse ourselves. But what about a guy who's absolutely strict in terms of his diet? Every day. You look at his life. Hurry, Baba. Now today I have to go and tell him yesterday what I ate. You see? But I will come and pretend. I'll do some more skipping and run a few other extra kilometers. No, 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 no. You see, break the break those thought patterns. Okay, those are patterns. That is the reason why accountability is such an important thing. That is how you know that you believe in the doctrine of justification by faith alone, <laughs> apart from the works of the law. Okay, we'll come to that later on, a few years later, a few months later, in October, the month of October. Okay, on Reformation Day. Okay, so Saul eyed David with suspicion from that day onwards. Why? Why was he suspicious? Simply because he heard somebody giving praise to this lady. So not the, the David. And he couldn't stand it. And he loved the praise from men. Than the praise which comes from God. He is not a Jew. He's pretending. So let, let's move on. Then he eyed David with a suspicion. Look at this. Next verse. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came. Okay. Another place, another, another, another place. So same chapter, chapter 18 verse 17. What does it say? 17. Then Saul said to David, because he is eyeing him with suspicion and he wants now to kill him. But Saul said to David, here is my old, older daughter Mirab. I will give her to you as wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the, oh. Lord's battles, but look at what his thought. For Saul thought. That's his word. What is his thought? Let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of Philistines be against him. So I will I will release him to the enemies and the Philistines will kill him. But this guy is going and fighting battles and is winning every battle left, right and center. Instead of Philistines killing him, he is killing the Philistines. And the next, but did, does he, uh, does he keep, keep the promise? No, he does not keep the promise. Okay, next verse. 25, same chapter, 1825. Then Saul said, thus you shall say to David, the king does not desire any dowry, but 100 foreskins of the Philistines. In Nadamacha, to take vengeance on the king's enemies. But Saul Thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. That's his thought. His thought is to somehow finish this fellow off. See how thoughts are so dangerous. Suspicious thoughts. Because you are afraid that somebody is going to come and usurp your throne. Because you don't have, you're not secure in God. And this fellow, instead of getting 100 foreskins, he gets 200. And extra. I mean, I, I, I'm just wondering, no? I mean, I think it was, uh, it was, uh, this guy, what's his name? Uh, Alistair Begg, who actually in one of his uh, teachings, he talks about it. He says, think about David, okay? He finishes off the hundred and he's doing a count now. One, seventy-four, hundred. Are hundred, Or, or those, or a hundred. Extra. One, one extra, one hundred extra he gets. Saul is shocked and he's scared of David. Why? Because all these are thoughts. And you remember how he's after David. 27, 1 Samuel 27.1 in NIV please. 1 Samuel 27.1 
But David thought to himself, one of these days, Saul, I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. You see, all thoughts. So you have to destroy those actions at the level of the thought. Now Saul intended to kill David. Was David any better? That's a problem. Second Samuel chapter 11 verse 14. Onwards. In the, it happened in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. Look at this guy. Saul wanted to let the Philistines kill him. And he was winning the battle against the Philistines. But look at this guy. He wants to kill Uriah now. Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck and die. Precisely, he want, it was premeditated murder. Thoughts. Dangerous. Twelve five Proverbs. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. You see? Deception. What kind of thoughts are these? These are deceptive thoughts. Deceptive thoughts. All is happening here in the mind. So what are those things which are occupying your mind? You see, you can never stop thinking, right? Even when you are sleeping, you are thinking. Right? But we call it subconscious mind in psychological psychology terms. But what are those things which are occupying your mind? I have thoughts towards you, Jesus, says Jesus. Says God. The thoughts that I have for you cannot be numbered. The thoughts that I think towards you are thoughts of peace. To give you a hope and a future and an expected end. Those are the kinds of thoughts God has. What are the kinds of thoughts do we, we have? 15.26 of Proverbs. 15.26 The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination. So how do we destroy these thoughts? By establishing new thought patterns. Understand? Okay? Because this is a tremendous adversary to the work of God in your life. So how do we do that? We know it very well. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 onwards. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 onwards. Okay. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So this is how it, it happens. Now is it one day? No, 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 no. How, how should these Thoughts be established. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 5 gives us a way to do this. 21 verse 5. 
I like this. Uh, can you put it in um, NIV, KJV? KJV, KJV is fantastic. KJV, KJV. Okay. The thoughts of the diligent. So you have to be diligent. Every day in the morning. And not even allowing even one day. For example, even if you sleep late, late, some people know they can sleep any time. They will get up in the morning by 6 o'clock. Because they have established a thought, a, a pattern of, of, of life. If they break it, something will happen to them. That's what should happen to you. If you break a thought pattern, let's say for example, you have this thought patterns of, 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 for relaxing to watch movies. Just imagine. But diligently over a period of time, you have replaced that thought pattern with another, with another pattern. Now, if you go back to the other pattern, what should happen to you? You should vomit when you, whenever you see it. If that happens, then you know. What has happened? Because your body is now rejecting those patterns which have been established. If your, if your stomach, if your system is used to certain thing, anything which is foreign, suddenly the, the, the reaction will take place. That's something similar should happen even in our, in our thought level, in our soul level. Something negative, if you accept, it should react and you should say, I don't want this. So the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness or prosperity, but everyone that is hasty only to want. Okay, so be diligent in establishing thought patterns. God is not looking for intelligent, but for the diligent. So dangerous fellow, one adversary is your thoughts and your flesh and especially the mindset of the flesh. And this is how you battle it. Okay, we can go into this uh, in into this in, in several ways, but one last thought before we leave this. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read from verse 20 to 23. 20 to 23. Oh, uh, chapter 4, sorry. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 to 23. But you have not so learned Christ. Okay. What, what is, it says, bring every thought to the captivity of the obedience of Christ. And how did Christ learn obedience? Through the things that he suffered. So you have to learn Christ. Literally. My God. What a tremendous, uh, uh, I just leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it. Hmm? Oh, I was thinking something is buzzing. It's okay, it's okay, no problem. Don't, 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 don't have to, just leave it, leave it. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him. So what should, what should you do? You should come under teaching first. How to break thought patterns? First thought patterns, how to break thought patterns is to be taught. Okay. How to break thought patterns is to establish thought patterns. T-A-U-G-H-T. Thought patterns ni break chali ante. Alochana vidhana ni mano jain chali ante. Vere alochana vidhana ni You have to learn a new thought pattern. Or we have to be taught a thought pattern. So what thought, thought patterns have to be, you have to be taught, you have to be taught the thought patterns of, thought patterns of Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. In other words, who's gone, who has to be, who has to teach you? Him, he has to teach you. That's what, that's what, even, even when I'm, 
teaching here. I am not the primary teacher. I am only facilitating your teaching. I mean the, the teaching process. I'm, I call myself a tutor. Tutor or teacher, professor or tutor ke beech mein bohut antar hai. Professor kya bolta? Concept ko establish karta. Tutor ka, what does a tutor do? Professor establishes the concept. Tutor comes and helps you to understand the concept. That's all. I'm just a help here. But you have to be taught. That is the reason why all my children will be taught of the Lord. And great will be the peace of my children. Okay, all my children will be taught. It's, it's other words, actually the word is discipled by the Lord. You know, the word for teaching, the maximum number of times the word teaching or taught occurs in the Bible, in the Old Testament. You know where it occurs? Excuse me? Deuteronomy. Thank you so much, Sami. Deuteronomy has the maximum number of times the word teaching is mentioned. And it's, isn't it interesting that the one chapter Jesus uses or the one book Jesus uses to overcome the devil <laughs> is the book of what? Deuteronomy. Boy, it's a super book by the way. When I, mean, I read it for the first time in my life, you know, what a book it is. Huh? Beautiful. It's a love letter from God actually. If you think it to be that way. You can, you, you can read it uh, in one month because it's got about 32 chapters. Every month you can go through the cycle of Deuteronomy. It will establish you. Because Jesus himself used the book of Deuteronomy to fight the devil. So you can also use it, right? Anyways, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And it says that you put off. You see that? Concerning your former conduct or the previous thought patterns. The old man which grows corrupt according to the uh, uh, deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind or in the attitude of your mind it says or renew the mindset that you have from the previous ways or way of life be renewed in the attitude of the mind or the spirit of the mind and verse 24 and you put on the new man which was cry, which was created according to god in true righteousness and in holiness and in order to do that what what should happen to you verse 21 and 22 once again first 21 and 22 if indeed you have heard him and you have been taught by him. Actually 20 and 21. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have, in, in, if indeed you have heard him. And have been taught by him. As the truth is in Jesus. You know what he's saying? It's, he's writing it to the Ephesians. So what Paul is saying. When I taught you. Who was actually teaching you? Jesus is teaching you. And you've been taught by him. As the truth is in Jesus. And so of course the spirit. The spirit of Christ. If indeed you have heard him. And have been taught by him. As the truth is in Jesus. Okay. So that is the reason why. Romans chapter 6 verse 17. And 18 onwards. Actually 15, uh, 16. Romans chapter 6. 16, 17, 18. Do you not know. That to whom you present yourselves to obey. You are that one's slaves. Whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. What leads to death? For to the carnal mind, right? The mindset of the flesh leads to death. Okay. The mindset of the spirit is life and 
peace. The mindset of the flesh is death. The mindset of the spirit is life and peace. And therefore he says, whether sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness, but God be thanked that though you are slaves, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine of or teaching to which you were delivered. That is the reason why you are being taught. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. And you started establishing new patterns. And we have to do it over and over and over again until that is the reason why he who practices righteousness is righteous. Okay, make it into a practice. Practice makes permanent. Thank you very much. All right, thank you very much. That's enough as in as far as uh, thoughts are concerned. That's uh, the, the flesh is concerned. One of the greatest adversaries is your flesh. Is your own flesh. What is the other adversary? Next adversary. Adversary is flesh. Not your own flesh now. People of the flesh inspired by the devil. You understand? People of the flesh inspired by the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers of darkness. But flesh and blood can inspire, can be inspired by the devil. Because one of the greatest adversaries I believe Paul had to fight in his life, if you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 26, 11 26, 2 Corinthians 11 26. And if we can put it in uh, an IR, okay, uh, 26. In journeys often, in perils of water, okay, can you put it in uh, in NIV? It's easier. Perils and I'm going Constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers. In danger from bandits. In danger from my own countrymen. That is Jews. In danger from Gentiles. In danger in the city. In danger in the country. In danger at sea. And in danger from uh, false brothers. Now tell me which is the most difficult people to handle. Ah. Danger from false brothers. Everywhere he went, they were false brothers. False apostles. See, there are false Christs. False apostles, false prophets, false teachers. And finally, false Christ, false apostles, false teachers, false prophets lead to false brothers. The the church is built upon the foundations of the true apostles, true prophets, Christ being the chief cornerstone. Who's the who's the Christ? The true Christ. True Christ as the chief cornerstone. True apostles, true prophets, true teachers lead to true brothers. Sometimes even true teachers, true can also lead to false brothers because it ultimately depends upon how you take the teaching. But if you have false Christ, false prophets, false apostles, false teachers will lead to false brothers. And those are the people who are more dangerous. That's what, it, that's what it says. Certain false brothers came privately to uh, to spy on our liberty which we are enjoying in Christ and we did not even give them one second time to speak. He said, just get out of this place please. Galatians chapter 2, we'll talk about that. In danger from false prophets, and false brothers, and how do they come? Very privately, very slyly, with a, with a lot of hypocrisy they will come. Jeremiah explains it in fantastic language in NIV. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 4 onwards. 4 to 6 on Kunta. In NIV, okay. Jeremiah chapter 9. Beware of your friends. 
to, 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 to see through that your intentions and your self-will is propagated and promulgated. That's a lie. You know, everybody is self-centered. But the danger is when you justify it. It's called JSC, according to Sundar Krishna. What is JSC? Justified self-centeredness. You are self-centered. I am also self-centered, Peter. But my self-centeredness is justified because I am the pastor. Come on now. You see how you can use your position to your own advantage? My God. Flesh brothers who are like this. I mean, so false brothers, dangerous. So you ought to be weary of these flesh. Don't trust anybody, in other words. You have to have people who can speak. That's the reason why better is a rebuke of a friend than the kisses of the enemy. Flattery is dangerous. He who flatters, what does he do? He spreads a net. That's how Christian and hopeful get caught. It's amazing. You should read Pilgrim's Progress. Every trajectory that they are taking towards the celestial city is full of adversaries. I mean, they are not left. That is that is the reason why I recommend that book to be read regularly. All those characters. Take the smaller version. Okay, don't have to go to the big older version of John Bunyan. You'll go crazy because you'll not be able to understand that language. It's too laborious, even though it's good. It's laborious. Okay. So don't, in, in, so these are the people. So flesh, that's, that's exactly the reason why if we turn to John's Gospel chapter 7, verses 1 onwards, how Jesus tackled this. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want who walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. It is not the Gentiles who sought to kill him, Baba. His own people. Sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. Then, look at this. His brothers therefore said to him, ah, the problem, flesh and blood, depart from here and go to Judea and your disciples, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing, for no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, you show yourself to the world. And then he says, for even his brothers did not believe him. Then Jesus said to them, my time is not yet come, but your time is already always ready. And then he says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. So dangerous are adversaries who are false brothers, no? Dangerous. And, and, and their flesh Turn with me to, and what do they generally do? Genesis chapter 21, verse 8 and 9. I like this. So the child grew and was weaned. Who is this? Isaac. You know, understand what weaned, to be weaned off means. Who are these people are weaned off? They're growing up into maturity. See, as long as you are a child, nobody bothers you. See, no, think about it. You could be a believer 
and if you are a child god cannot entrust you anything you cannot be uh, recruited for spiritual warfare S- simply because children cannot be used as soldiers children have to be protected by the soldiers you understand children and women have to be protected no every warfare what do they do men go and fight the war to protect the children the weaker ones similarly as long as you are a child you are unfit for spiritual warfare so as long as your child the devil even leave, even the devil leaves you because you are not a threat to his kingdom but the moment you are weaned off exactly what happened to isaac the child grew and was weaned and abraham made a great feast on the same day that isaac was weaned see the day when isaac was circumcised he was named which day eighth day remember every time there is a circumcision that takes place what happens in the bible you see when john the baptist is circumcised on the eighth day the people call him zechariah but his mother calls him john and his father calls him john it's a naming that happens your spiritual destiny is set on the day of your circumcision that is essentially the 8th day okay and even jesus was named on the 8th day the day of his circumcision that's the, that's the day when he was called jesus for he was going to call uh, save his uh, uh, people from his senses i think it's in luke's gospel chapter 2 if i'm right okay uh, i'm not getting making too much of that but understand the child grew now okay and he was weaned and was nine sarah saw the son of hagar the egyptian who is this fellow ishmael who is of the what he's of the flesh whom he had she had born to abraham what was he doing he was scoffing he was mocking see as long as isaac was a baby he was not a threat to ishmael the moment isaac grows now he's coming to maturity he becomes a threat now the days of the flesh are numbered and the days of the people of the flesh also are numbered see i'll tell you something even as long as you are you are a people in the gang of fleshly people nobody will say anything to you okay in, in other words your children basically you're all that's what that's what people that's what peter says or paul says in first corinthians chapter 3 he says i could not uh, deal with you as spiritual but as carnal but as babes in christ because i could not feed you solid uh, food uh, because you're not able to bear it and even now you're still not able to bear it because when envy and strife is there among you are are, are you not uh, behaving like mere men you're still children you're st- still spiritual babes but the day you come of age when you're weaned off milk what happens when you're set apart from the gang you know what happens adversity starts people of the flesh begin to mock you sarah saw that son of hagar the egyptian whom she had born to abraham scoffing and what 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 does she say <laughs> next verse therefore she said to abraham cast out this bondwoman and her son for the son of this bondwoman shall not be the heir with my son namely with isaac turn to galatians chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 galatians chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 now i say that the heir as long as he is a child is not different from a slave though he is a master of all but he is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father that means the father is observing when is this fellow coming going to come of age when is he going to stop feeding on milk when is he going to start taking solid food and the day you take solid food you know what you are ready you are coming of age you know what happens adversaries will rise people of the flesh will start mocking you 
Ishmael's. Turn to Galatians chapter 4. I'll show you this interesting uh, uh, chapter 22 of oh, sorry chapter 5 4 verse 22 verse 22 onwards interesting okay for it is written that Abraham had two sons <laughs> one by a bond woman and by the other by a free woman but he who was of the bond woman was born according to the flesh and he who was the free woman through promise okay and then which things are symbolic for these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai which gives birth to bondage which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem which is now and is in bondage with her children. And then for the Jerusalem above is free which is the mother of all for it is written rejoice O barren etc. And verse 28. Now we brethren as Isaac was are the children of promise and it says but as he who is born according to the flesh then persecuted he who is born according to the spirit now even so it is also now what does what does ishmael do persecute people of the flesh in other words begins to mock how do you deal with this hmm. let me give you let me give you a uh, a, um, a pattern in the Old Testament. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 10 first. It says, when Sanballat the Horonite, <laughs> oh my God, and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. I'll tell you something. These are all the people of the flesh, by the way. Sanbalat and Tobaya. Because they also say that we also want to build later on. Okay. And then, next one. Go on. Ah, no, no, not this one. No, not this verse. Turn to the same chapter and verse 19. Actually, verse uh, 17 to 19. Let us read from 17 to 19. Then I said to them, you see the distresses that we are in. He told, tells his brothers, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us... Build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And then goes, goes on. And I told them of the hand of my God which has been good upon me. And also the king's words that he spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. That means let us occupy ourselves in the work of God. Then they set their hands to this good work. That is our promise. Be occupied in the building of God's house. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Verse 19, okay. But Sanbalat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the, Abar, the Arab, heard of it. They laughed at us and despised us. That's, you see, they begin to mock. And said, what is this thing that you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? Begin to mock. Verse 20. That is our promise. Verse 18, okay, verse 20. So I answered them and said, to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. He's talking about Jerusalem, which is not looked at that just now in Galatians, right? And then what happens? But what happened to these fellows in chapter 4 and verse 1? But it so happened... When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious 
and very indignant and begins to mock the Jews. Mockery. And how does he mock? Look at the words that he uses. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Question number one. Weak fellows. So what what do the people of the flesh mock? They look at your lack of strength. You, you will build God's house. You, I know you. Right from childhood I know you. Some people might say, what are you? You are going to build this house? Feeble Jews going to do? You see, an effectual door has been opened to me and there are adversaries. And these are people who are of the flesh inspired by the devil. That's what, that's what I was talking about. And there will be an adversary. They will oppose you. So how do you deal with this? If they call you weak? Yes, what do you say? Oh, of course I'm weak. <laughs> my strength is made perfect. Sorry, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. In fact, I'll boast about my weakness. You know why? I will not boast about my strength. I will boast about my weakness. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Flesh is always weak. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Verse 8. Actually, verse 7 and 8. 7 and 8. The angel of the church in Philadelphia write these things, says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. He has an effectual door has been opened to me and there are adversaries. And what is the adversaries? Those people who remind you of your lack of strength. I know your work. See, I have said before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have little strength, but you kept my word and you did not deny my name. Confess your weakness. Oh, you think I'm weak? Of course I'm weak. You think I'm qualified? You you think I'm not qualified for this job? Absolutely, I'm not qualified. If I were to uh, interview myself, I will not choose myself. How many of you think you are fit for God's job? Then you are absolutely unfit. Let me tell you. That's what he says, right? Who is sufficient for these things? We are the aroma of life for to those to those who are who are being saved, and an aroma of death to those who are being peri- who are perishing. And who is sufficient for these things? None. Who makes us competent as ministers of the new covenant? Our competency comes from God and not from men. We are absolutely feeble. Oh, absolutely. We acknowledge that. And then go back, look at what he says again. Will, what will these feebles, what are these feeble Jews doing? Uh, Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 2. Okay. Will they fortify themselves? <laughs> Who's our only fortress? The name of the Lord is our stronghold and righteous run into it. And who's our fortress? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As long as you are in Christ, 
piece of fortress. Okay. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that is going to raise against you in judgment, you shall condemn. For this is our heritage as a servants of the Lord. Why? Because I have been vindicated by God. Our righteousness is from Him and not of our own self. Thank God. Therefore, no condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in Him is mine. Alive in Him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim my crown through Christ my own. Amazing love. How can this be that thou my God should love die for me? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not with him freely give us all things? Who can bring any, bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? For it is Christ who died for our sins. It is Christ who raised, rose from the dead. It is Christ who seated at the right hand of the Father forever making intercession for us. Who can bring any charge against God's elect, my dear brothers? He is a God who is a fortress, a mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark never failing. A help he amidst the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe that seek to work us war. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide? Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving will be failing. We're not the right man on our side. The man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus it is he. Lord Shabbat his name. And age to age the same. And he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled. Should threaten to undo us. We will not fear. For God has willed for his truth. To triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim. We tremble not for him. His rage we can endure. For lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. That word above all earthly past. No thanks to them abideth. His spirit and his gifts are ours. Through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindreds go. This mortal life also. This body they may kill. But God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is for ever. Martin Luther. Namaste Anna. What a song it is. Beautiful, no? That's the power of poetry, Baba. It's got the power to stir us up. Of godly poetry. Will they fortify themselves? Absolutely. Why? It is God who fortified us against you. Not we ourselves. We just went and hid ourselves in Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. <laughs> but of him you are in Christ Jesus. Of him you are in Christ Jesus. Who became for us wisdom from God. Righteousness, sanctification and redemption. Verse 31. Therefore, those who boast or glories, let him glory in God alone. Let not the Wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his strength. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him boast in that he knows me. Of course, we will fortify ourselves. <laughs> will they offer sacrifices? They are mocking. Of course, we will offer sacrifices. 
What are the sacrifices? Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 and 16. Yesterday we were talking about in the Hindi service, right? Therefore, by him, because we are in him, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to our God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices. God is well pleased. Of course, I'm going to sacrifice. And we will offer sacrifices. And God will accept our sacrifices. And our sacrifices will be pleasing to God. Notwithstanding the fact that they, may, that they might look very small in your eyes. But our God, who sees our heart, knows that we belong to Him. He keeps Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on Him. Will you complete it in a day? <laughs> That's the next Go back to Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 2. Will you, will they complete it in a day? Will they complete it in a day? That means, oh, these fellows, do you think it's easy for you to finish? It's a very, a very easy for everybody to start. You know, it's like this mafia dons, no? We'll say, Isme to entry sabko milta hai. Isme to entry sabko milta hai, but not everybody will be able to finish. Everybody enters, but not everybody finishes it. The difference between India and abroad, no? To enter into IIT is very, very difficult. But once you enter into IIT, it's not a big deal. Ho jayega. Art semester mein khadam kar sakte usko. Jada dikkat nahi. Par, abroad, to enter into university is very easy. Lot of people get opportunity to get, enter into university. But to exit the university? Ah, that is not easy. <laughs> oh, will you be able to complete it in a day? You started it, no? We'll see how long will you do this. I know within a few days you'll give up. Give up. What you have started, I know you. Anta aramba suratva In other words, you only start but you'll never finish. And what do you say? He who began a good work in me, he will be faithful to complete it. Because our adversaries mock us. Then will you revive the stones which are burnt? Of course we will revive. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Yes, we we will go back to the old teachings and the old foundations on which the church was built during those days. We will build on the same foundations. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 7. <laughs> now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being built and restored and the gaps were beginning, beginning to be closed. They were even more angry. Now they will never give up by the way. And, adverse, and, and our adversary said, verse 11, They will neither know or see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. They will do everything in their capacity to cause the work of God to stop in their life, in your life. Because they are not, they're not inspired by good intentions, by the way. There will be adversaries. 
but how do you deal with this only one technique we have and nehemiah gives it number nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 10 and we will stop uh, 410 uh, wait wait just not 410 49 49 49 nevertheless we made our prayer to our god and because of them we set a watch against them day and night what is that prayer prayer so how do we pray day and night till the work is finished now let's go back to luke's gospel chapter 18 and verse 3 onwards actually verse 7 onwards 7 7 is now 7 and shall not god avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him though he bears with bears with them long i tell you he will avenge them speedily nevertheless nevertheless when the son of man comes will he really find faith on the earth and let's finish it with with uh, the amplified bible please here verse 8 i tell you he will defend and protect and avenge them speedily however when the son of man comes will he find persistence in faith on the earth the question is will you give up will you give up you know what i want to say lord i will not i may fall a million times but i will get up and start building again i will get up and start building again okay 69 first corinthians and we will stop for a wide door of opportunity for a great and effective door has opened to me and many adversaries okay adversaries are there i'm great adversary is your flesh deal with that the rest god will deal you don't have to be afraid amen let's pray father we just thank you we praise you we worship you we give you glory you're teaching us so many things oh lord i pray lord your thought patterns will begin to be established in our lives continually even as we walk in obedience to you father help us on our journey oh lord we do not want to rely on the arm of flesh the arm of flesh will fail us for you said cursed is a man who makes flesh his strength and his heart departs from the lord but blessed is a man who trusts in the lord for he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water we want to continually put our trust in you and not in our own self or in our own flesh we have begun in the spirit and we will be made perfect in the spirit and not in the flesh to that and i pray that you will bless us even as we continue to meditate upon your word bless us keep us in the straight and narrow path and enable us to overcome every every adversary and every adversity 
in our journey to build a dwelling place for God, a dwelling place of righteousness where you can, your, your spirit can continue, continually dwell. To that end, I pray that you would bless us and keep us on this journey. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen.